This is most certainly true. In the greatest act of selfless mercy, God sent His own Son into our world to die for your sins. And we can't stop talking about it. We now present this sermon, recently delivered at Grace, to you. The second reading from Paul's second letter to young Pastor Timothy, chapter 4. God asks Timothy and he asks us to be prepared to proclaim the gospel to those in our lives. These words will also serve as the basis for today's sermon. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you... Keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. The word of the Lord. It's not good right now. Do you ever wake up in the morning and that thought crosses your mind, perhaps a sick feeling in your stomach? This world, our country, it's falling apart. If you've had that thought, then you wouldn't be wrong. It's not good right now. In fact, it's really, really bad. Innocent bystanders at community events are being run over by vehicles and gunned down by high-powered weapons, and often, too. Children are practicing active shooter drills more than tornado drills in schools these days. Nearly every day, it seems like there's another murder in our city of Milwaukee. In the last 50 years, we have crossed more than 63 million humans who have lost their lives to abortion. Sexual things are around us everywhere we turn. You can hardly even blink without something being thrown into your face, enticing your sinful flesh to indulge in almost every way you could possibly imagine. The voice of those who absolutely reject God is growing stronger. Opposition to Christianity is also strengthening as the walls are closing in. I can tell you as someone who has taught for seven years now in a Christian high school, 
I most definitely can see that the needle has been moving on how young Christians think, and it's not going in the right direction. Those of you who are more veteran in life can probably think back to times when perhaps your parents thought you were such rebels for listening to the Beatles. But neither you nor your parents could have ever dreamed of what's on TV now or what Cardi B sings about. If you don't know Cardi B, your life is better for it. The tide and the trajectory of American culture and morality is moving quickly, and it's not good. But yet, it was King Solomon with his divine wisdom and divine inspiration who wrote these words. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. If we backed up 2,000 years to the first days of the early Christian church, we would see it was bad. Did you know that in the, the Greek and Roman world for hundreds of years, centuries, it was the common practice of your average middle-class men to practice pedophilia on a nightly basis? Women were treated as objects and possessions in the worship of Greek and Roman gods. Open debauchery and drunkenness and wild parties was very common. Humans were butchered for fun at the hands of the gladiators in the Roman Colosseum with two to three times more fans than the Pfizer Forum could hold. Women and children were butchered as they practiced abortion 2,000 years ago too, but without all of the technology and tools of today. Fathers, when children were born, would practice their authority and their dominance as they held the child and made a decision in common Roman practice. If it was the child of an affair, or perhaps they had too many children, or sometimes if it was just a girl, the father would go and place the baby in a gutter and walk away. Archaeologists have found piles of babies in the Roman aqueducts. Want to talk about corrupt leaders? Well, you could take Emperor Nero as an example. He was a deranged, gross creep. At one of his dinner parties once for fun, a, a servant was walking by. He had him grabbed and beheaded for fun for entertaining the dinner guests. Nero was the one who also blamed the great fire of Rome on Christians because they were an easy target that wouldn't fight back. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. But it's been bad. There's nothing new under the sun. Sin infiltrates and festers in our world in every time and every culture, and Satan only morphs his temptations to the technology and context of the time. And so what are we Christians to do? What are Christians back then to do? With so much evil around us and corruption and wickedness surrounding us and, and unbelievers encroaching on us, what are we to do? Well, the answer is actually quite simple. Preach the word. In the second scripture reading this morning from our worship, we heard from the second letter of the Apostle Paul to a young pastor and a dear friend of his by the name of Timothy. As it turned out, these are some of the last recorded words that we have of the Apostle Paul. He was in prison for the second time in Rome, and sure enough, within about a year or so, he would be beheaded by that Emperor Nero. Apparently, he had a thing for that. 
And so what became the parting words and the swan song of Paul are the words for our meditation today. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, it was just what the young pastor Timothy and the early Christians needed, and it's just what Christians today need to hear. There's so much for us to unpack. In just eight verses, I would encourage you to follow along on page eight in the service folder as we'll walk through these words of the Apostle Paul. Here's how this last portion of his last letter starts. Paul writes, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Paul starts off by urging and encouraging. He's pleading and warning. He's calling us to witness in the presence of God himself and his son Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead, giving us an important, serious charge. And what is that task? I give you this charge, preach the word. The word preach doesn't mean only to share information or to speak. It was a word in their culture that was used to proclaim, to announce an official message, to herald something on behalf of someone else. And what is it God wants us to proclaim and to herald? He says, preach the word, as in God's word, Holy Scripture, the Bible. Now, before we do some thinking about how to preach the word in our modern times and world, we ought to do a little self-assessment on that phrase, preach the word. I don't know about you, but I know for me, I'm not always so eager to preach the word. And it's literally my job. I signed up for this. And yet it can be intimidating to step into a pulpit, to step into a classroom, to share God's word knowing not everyone is going to like and not everyone's going to agree with what you have to say. But then again, people expect me to do that. How much more difficult for most of you in this church today as you step into offices and cubicles and meetings and Zoom calls and other workplaces and your neighborhoods where people don't necessarily expect and certainly don't necessarily want you to preach the word. How much more difficult in modern times where we have technology and in an age of screenshots and retweets and sound bites and video clips. Well, who wants to be the next viral bad guy that becomes a victim of cancel culture? I know I'm not always so eager to preach, whether privately or publicly. And those are the times when the word of the Lord is on my mind to start with. Other times, I'm very happy to herald and to proclaim, but more like what I think of Aaron Rodgers or who I think you should vote for or whatever other phase or fancy or fad suits my opinions. But this is not what God has called us to do. God calls us to preach the word. And so God forgive my, my fears, my worries, my doubts, about preaching. God forgive my failures to preach his word or the times I have the wrong message and the wrong focus on my heart and on my lips. And thank God for this very word that we're talking about because in that word, he reveals to us the solution for these and many other sins. It's the word himself, the word made flesh, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one who came to this world to live for us. 
to live without any fault and to preach without any fear and to love without any failure because you and I could not. And that righteousness of Christ is what covers over us and becomes our righteousness. And it's his death on the cross that washes away the guilt and the shame of our failures to live out and share God's word. It's Jesus' resurrection and victory over death that releases us from the fears we have in this life. That's the gospel. That's the good news that I need to hear so badly, and that's the word that others need to hear too. And so the Lord gives us forgiven sinners, dearly loved by him. He gives us that charge. Go preach the word. But don't worry, he gives us some instruction and guidelines on how to do that. The Apostle Paul continues. He says, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. Literally, Paul said, be prepared at a good time and at a bad time, or when it's convenient and inconvenient. It's good for us to be prepared for those opportunities that sort of drop into our laps. It's, it's good to be ready when your neighbor comes up to you and says, oh, you know, I'm really struggling right now. I think I'm missing something. You seem to have what I'm missing. Tell me more about your church and this Jesus stuff. Those opportunities will come your way. And actually, it's quite fun when it does. But there will be times when it's inconvenient and out of season, so to speak. There will be times when you invite your neighbors to church and they'll tell you to buzz off. Times when you tell your, your co-worker that you're going to correct a little bit their foul language or the person next to you at the concert or the ball game and they'll use that same foul language to tell you where they think you should go. Thank goodness for the cross of Christ because there my fears for preaching there my failures to be ready and prepared to preach are forgiven. There I find his blood that covers over me and, and fills me with a joy and a courage to be ready, to be prepared in any and every occasion to share his word. And what are we going to do when we do that? Paul goes on to tell us, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage. The word Correct here is a word that means to expose or to bring to light. This would be exposing, bringing to light what's wrong or sinful, using God's word as a light for our path, a measuring stick to measure up what's right or wrong in our world around us. To rebuke is to take it the next step further, not just to expose or to point out what's sin, but then to call the sinner to repentance, to turn back to God, and I absolutely love the third word Paul uses, encourage. In his original language, it's a word that means to call someone to your side, to speak to someone personally, privately, face-to-face, -face, not engaging in a text or email war and battle, but to talk to a person as you're pointing out sin, calling them back to the Lord personally, privately, face-to-face, I think there's at least two big ways that we often fall short on this, preaching the word, correcting, rebuking, encouraging. One is probably pretty obvious. Sometimes we're just afraid. Who wants to be the bad guy? 
Who wants to ruin a relationship or make Thanksgiving dinner awkward for the rest of time? Who, who wants to be thought of as judgmental or biased? Sometimes we're just afraid to call sin a sin and call a sinner back to the Lord. <laughs> but that is so, so dangerous. It's essentially the same as saying, you know, I don't really care what you do. It's your life, not mine. If, if this sin ruins your relationship with the Lord and brings you down to hell, well, at least you didn't think I was judgmental. Nothing could be more unloving than to leave sin unaddressed or to leave a sinner lost in their ways rather than calling them back to the Lord. That's one end of the spectrum. On the other end of the spectrum, I think we Christians often fall short in another way, and that's when we jump on our little soapboxes and point out all our little pet peeve sins in the world. Oh, can you believe that sin and that sin? Look at this horrible thing and this awful atrocity. And of course, this is only exacerbated in a world of technology and social media today. Christians have done a lot of damage over the years, especially in recent social media years. When we point fingers at other sin or sinners and leave the impression, perhaps, that we forget we are sinful too. Christians dare not ever bemoan Pride Month this and Pride Month that and leave every other sexual sin around us unaddressed, perhaps even the things in the music and movies and TV shows we watch on a regular basis. That's rather hypocritical. Christians dare not ever jump onto an abortion soapbox only to leave all the other crimes and sins against children and families unaddressed as well. God has not called you to preach the word when it's convenient about the things that you think are worst or that you don't personally struggle with. Correct, rebuke, and encourage every sin and every sinner, and Paul adds a very important phrase to that, with great patience and careful instruction. With patience. Being in conversation personally, face-to-face -face for the long haul. With careful instruction and teaching. Paul's saying it like this, correct, rebuke, encourage in love. Perhaps it's the case in mainstream evangelical Christianity. Can I call it this? In TikTok Christianity? that Christians think that God has given them a divine charge and task to boycott Target and Bud Light or to say, you're putting up this yard sign, I'm putting up this yard sign. This is your cover story on Facebook? Well, this is my picture and a YouTube video on Facebook. God has not called you to be a defense attorney or to win arguments or to outwit, outpost, or outmeme someone else. Last I checked, no one comes to faith by clever Instagram posts. But God does say, preach the word. Be prepared. Yes, correct, rebuke, carefully instruct, but with patience and love. Thank God for the cross of Christ where I find forgiveness for my fears to preach, my failures to preach, and my failures to do so with loving gentleness and kindness. Thank God that in Jesus, I find a Savior who has used other godly people to correct and rebuke me. 
and to encourage me with the law about my sin. And thank God that at the cross, I find a Savior who renews me with the good news of his gospel. This is what the world needs, friends. The world does not need smarty pants, holier-than-thou, Bible-thumping Christians who are modern-day Pharisees. The world needs Jesus. God in his grace has called you out of the darkness of this world and now he's sending you sincere Christians who personally know how broken they are and who know how sweet the forgiveness of Jesus tastes and who know how wonderful the hope of heaven is. They're sent, the Lord is sending you and me to share that law and gospel with patient love with other people. I find it quite amazing that Paul's words are so applicable to today and to every situation that we face. Paul adds this in verse 5, good encouragement for today. He says to Timothy and to us, but you, patient through trials, and instead, do the work of an evangelist. Be gospel-focused, gospel-driven, gospel-encouraged in all that you do. As you carry out your faithful ministry, whether it's as a pastor, a teacher, or a lay Christian who is a, a boss, employee, father, mother, or child, carry out your work faithfully. It's not easy in these times. Paul's words are so applicable, in fact, prophetic about today. I'm going to jump backwards to verses 3 and 4. This is the kind of thing we're up against. Paul says, The time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. You could perhaps make the argument that those words have never rung more true in our world than in modern America right now. People turning from the truth, listening to what they want to hear, believing myths. It leaves us to wonder, what are we to do? Well, the answer is still the same. Preach the word. Paul knew that his time for doing that was drawing to a close. In the last words, Paul says, I am already being poured out like a drink offering, a very picturesque image. The time for my departure is drawing near. He knew the end was coming, and as I mentioned, it did in fact happen. But yet Paul also knew this. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will reward to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to who, all who have longed for his appearing. Yeah, it's bad out there. But there's nothing new under the sun. It's been bad. And God in his mercy has called you out of that darkness to see Christ and his cross and to know his love and to go and share that love and that light with others in the darkness. So Christian friends, fight the good fight and run the straight race and keep the faith because God has in store for you a victory crown of righteousness and a reward in heaven with your name on it. So, dear Christian, take a deep breath, cling to Christ, and preach the word. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace or to support this ministry, please visit 
gracedowntown.org today. This grace is for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.